0: Hello everyone and welcome to Talk with a Doc, the show where we bring your questions to Providence Medical Experts for insight and information. Remember everyone, all of our questions come from you, our listeners via social media. We can be found on Twitter at Providence and on Facebook under Providence Health System. Use the hashtag Talk with a Doc, that's hashtag Talk with a Doc, for a chance to hear your questions in our episodes. Hi, welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to our live event on stress and gut health. I'm your host, Dr. Scheherazade Khan, St. John's Hospitalist. Joining me today is Providence St. John's Health Center Chief of Surgery, Dr. Tracy Childs. As a reminder, the information provided here today is for informational purposes only. If you have any medical questions, please reach out to your primary care healthcare professional. So Tracy, let's talk about stress and the gut. Have you ever heard that zebras don't get ulcers?
1: Absolutely. Zebras don't get ulcers because they live in the present moment.
0: Oh, hey, that's a great reminder. So actually, I'm going to interrupt your whatever you're going to say and say, let's actually all take a moment. Whoever's watching whatever time of day you end up watching this. Join me in taking a moment to be here now to be present in this moment. So um, we're going to do a little bit of breathing together. So feel your feet on the floor and really feel how the ground is supporting you. Take a moment to gently close your eyes and join me in three deep breaths. Take a big inhale through your nose. Inhale. And exhale through your mouth. Slowly controlled breathing. Another deep breath in. And an exhale. You feel like sighing. If anything comes out, go for it. Just be here, be now in the present moment. Deep breath in. And really release. Open your eyes and welcome back to the call. So, so, so wonderful reminder to be here in the present moment. And thank you to these zebras to remind us.
1: So let me tell you a little bit a little story about zebras and why zebras don't get ulcers. And this is gonna, you can wonder why we're talking about zebras. This is gonna tie into stress and it's gonna tie into then stress in the gut. So picture this three zebras walking across the field, forest, jungle, wherever they are, walking together, and all they're doing is eating grass. That's all they do they are eating grass they're enjoying the sun they're feeling the sun on their back they're listening to the wind eating grass that's all they live for all of a sudden they hear something behind them turn around there's this big huge ferocious lion they take off running the lion takes off running and all they can think about is saving themselves in the moment okay and Oh, my God. Lo and behold, they turn around and Clyde is in the lion's jaws and Clyde is now going to be the lion's lunch. Oh, do the other two zebras turn around and try to save them, save Clyde? No, they run as fast as they can. The lion goes to take his lunch off somewhere else. They don't cry. They don't sit down. They don't do anything. They just go back to eating grass because it's the next moment. And. The warm sun's on their back and their stomachs are hungry and they eat grass. So the whole idea here is that zebras live in the present moment, that they're responding to an immediate stressor. They don't get ulcers because they respond only to the lion that's chasing them in that moment.
0: That's so interesting that the zebras didn't feel revengeful. They didn't go and want to kill the lion. They didn't, you know, start uh, mourning the lion's death or wondering what happened. They just went on to the next new fresh moment. So that leads me to another question. Can you tell me a little bit about the physiology about uh, gut health? I can.
1: um let me let me tell you first about sort of the kind of the difference between, the lions and, the, and humans, okay? So as Scheherazade said, they don't worry about tomorrow's lion. They don't worry about why the lion chased Clyde, but didn't take, chase them. They don't even think about what the lion, would what, what would have happened to them if the lion caught them. The difference between zebras and humans is the zebras are reacting to the stress at the moment of the lion catching them and ripping off its leg. It, that stressor needs to be dealt with in order to deal with, in order to manage survival, okay? Humans react to stresses that they imagine or mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. Sitting in traffic, being late for a dinner reservation, an argument for uh, with a family member, none of these are survival things. Zebras don't have any sense of the future. They live in the moment. Humans do nothing but worry about the future. What if I can't sell my car? What if my kid doesn't graduate from high school? What if I don't get a job interview? What if he doesn't like me? Do you think zebras care whether the zebra next to them likes them? Absolutely not. So the reason they don't get ulcers is that the stress response is controlled by the autonomic nervous system. It manages all of our responses automatically directing involuntary actions. So it's made up of both the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system. You all have heard that about fight or flight. So the sympathetic nervous system is fight, flight, fright. It kicks in during emergencies. The parasympathetic nervous system mediates calm and vegetative functions like growth, energy storage, and digestion. It's It is a dynamic balance. So with stress, there's a cascade of hormones that orchestrate the physiologic response, allowing the fight or flight. Rapid heart rate, increased blood flow to the muscles, increased breathing, release of blood glucose and fats from storage to provide energy. Run, zebra, run, right? Chronic, Chronic stresses, though, keep those processes activated, sort of like a gas pedal keeping a car running in idle. So cortisol is one of these.
0: Wow, that's a really powerful analogy, like a gas pedal keeping a car Mm, running idle.
1: Can you imagine
0: living your whole life pushing your foot on the gas pedal and not going anywhere?
1: And what that does is it stimulates cortisol. And the effects of cortisol are increased weight gain, appetite and storage of unused nutrients as fat, immunosuppression, fatigue, high blood glucose, ulcer disease, And so, you know, so the difference between the acute stressful episodes and the threat to survival compared to the chronic unrelenting or recurring stresses, whether they're real or perceived, and they prevent the body from recovering.
0: It's actually so important because everyone needs food to live and everyone needs healthy bowel movements. I think Stress in the gut has this brain-intestinal uh, uh, connection. It's
1: neuroenteric pathway.
0: Neuroenteric pathway that most of the common medical disorders that we see uh, involving the gut, which are IBS, IBD, food allergies, peptic ulcer disease, and GERD, all involve stress in the gut. So anyone out there struggling with constipation, um, Abnormal bowel movements, irregular bowel movements, a lot of flatulence—all um, of those things. Those all have to do with stress and the gut and the neuroenteric pathway. Um, there is there is a very common thing that I've been seeing a lot more on social media, and I'm going to switch to that. Um, have you heard, Dr. Childs? Anyone ask you as a doctor about leaky gut? What what is leaky gut to you?
1: Well, so. People were talking about patients and people and friends were all talking about leaky gut before I had ever even heard of it. I had to Google leaky gut because, in you know, yeah, in, in surgery and you know, in medically, it was a term that I was unfamiliar with. But apparently, the whole world knows about it. So, leaky gut actually is increased permeability um, in the gut allowing bacteria and toxins to pass from the gut into the bloodstream.
0: And that's kind of part of the blood intestinal barrier, which is why mainstream medical professionals maybe don't recognize leaky gut as a real condition. Um, But here we are, two medical professionals having the conversation about leaky gut. And I think it's not so much that it's real or not real. It's more about what works and what doesn't work and figuring out how to get that relationship?
1: Well, figuring out why and then what to do. So leaky gut is either genetic or acquired, but it's related to inflammation. So from an acquired thing, diet, low fiber diet, high fat diet, high fat diets, high sugar diets, lots of alcohol use has been associated with increased permeability as has stress. But other things like celiac disease or gluten insensitivity, Crohn's disease, irritable bowel syndrome, autoimmune diseases like lupus or MS, chronic fatigue syndrome, arthritis, allergies, all of these cause in, can be related to inflammation, which causes triggers, of inflammation and changes in the flora. So the, this is where we can start, we can talk about microbiomes
0: a little bit. Yeah, yeah. let's talk about microbiomes and- is is
1: the bacteria in your gut. So things like alcohol and nonsteroidals that we all take all the time, ibuprofen, Aleve, Celebrex, food sensitivities and highly processed foods can all be triggers for inflammation and changes in flora.
0: Wow. Well, and that's a lot of the common stuff that American diet has in it, you know. Um, Well, so leaky gut uh, is more about, yeah, what works for you and what doesn't, figuring out how. Also, um, avoiding the
1: inflammatory triggers.
0: Reducing the inflammatory triggers and... um, And I think coming up with like a food diary or or learning your food habits is very important. And so kind of just being honest with what we're eating and what we're not. But I have another topic to discuss with you, which is um, since our guts are governed by the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system, I have found personally that the the quality and health of our bowel movements is definitely related to our uh, mental health. And so do you do you kind of see see this where instead of asking your patients, you know, um, how are you doing?" you ask them kind of, "How are your bowel movements? what What is your pattern like?" and learning learning where they're at with their stress level?
1: So what I actually, when I'm dealing with stress in the GI tract, I actually don't focus in on pooping, although, being a colon surgeon, it's a big part of what I focus on. But I usually will ask patients who are trying to relate stress and their overall well being. I ask them, "Where does their Where do you when you're stressed out? What happens? Do you Is it in your upper GI tract? Is it in your lower GI tract? What are your symptoms? Are you having acid? Are you having nausea or queasiness? You feel full sooner. You having a lot of you know, people come in all the time complaining of bloating. Some people are just, um, I heard this the other day, I want to say, I want i want to be me and be direct and say overweight, but um, well-fed. Some people are just well-fed and other people actually are really quite thin and really are distended. Um, so some people, when they, they get diarrhea, and then then you have to talk about the definition. Okay. So... The question is how you know what is how many times a day do you poop? People say I'm constipated, I only poop once a day. Okay, well, I have diarrhea, I poop 3 times a day. Are you pooping solid? Yes. That's not diarrhea. So you have to get your definitions right. We also have to try to avoid normalizing symptoms. What's normal for you? is not going to be normal for me. What's normal for you now is not going to be normal for you in 10 years when you are more or less active, change your diet, on different medications. So it's really not about being normal. It's really knowing your, like you said, you know your body. It's like knowing your body and knowing when something's changed.
0: Yeah. I I love this topic because those symptoms, knowing where your stress lives in your gut, uh, is so important. Like, do you start burping? Do you have acid reflux? Do you have nausea all the time? Do you have like abdominal pain? It just hurts and you don't know why. And, and, you know, and it's, or are you constipated or are you, or you, um, you know, you just can't figure it out. Where does your stress live? They're very, very related. Um, well, you brought up another topic, which was um, weight. And I thought it was important and, and and you know, um, being overweight is unhealthy. You know, being obese is unhealthy and being underweight is unhealthy. You know, and so the focus rather than being on numbers is more a mental state of being and bringing that kind of what am I eating for? What am I not eating for? Um you know what am I avoiding? Those those really tough, tough tough questions are are very important for your gut health.
1: Well, um, and I think it's really important that you don't get your information off some bulletin board somewhere, and that if if really what's going on with your GI tract is affecting your quality of life, that you actually s- seek help from somebody who is trained to actually look at the big picture. So, you know, when you if you when you go to a doctor and you tell them you're having abdominal pain and the first thing they do is send you for a CT scan, that's not going to be as healthy as helpful as asking you some questions related to the character, the change, what's going on in your life. Let me tell you, when we talk about how stress can affect the gut, and this neuroenteric pathway, or some people call it the brain-gut access, it, what, what, how do we manifest this? We already talked about ulcer disease. We talked about food sensitivities. We talked about reflux. There's irritable bowel syndrome, which is which we're learning more and more about. And which used to, we sort of blew things off, blew people off when we talked about IBS. But now we're, we're learning much more about those neural pathways and having ways to treat that, as well as um, inflammatory bowel disease like Crohn's or ulcerative colitis. And what does it do? Those things change the motility. That means how fast things move through or how slow things move through which can be related to the diarrhea or the constipation or the bloating or the crampy abdominal pain. Also something people don't think about is changes in visceral perception. And that means this concept of, you know, people say, I know my gut, I can feel the food passing through, you know, I, so, you know, basically your intestines don't hurt. What hurts is distension or dilation. When there's a blockage, whether it's uh, mechanical or functional, changes in GI secretion so that um, acid, too much acid, not enough acid, bile salts, things like that are all a reflection or all um, responsive to your stress levels. Permeability, we already talked about leaky gut. The inability to regenerate gut mucosa. So the gut is made up of several layers, one of which is the lining. And for instance, if you pop ibuprofen like candy, you can wreck the lining of your mucosa and that will change the function and physiology as well as impairment of this gut, your gut microbiome, you know, which is the bacteria, the friendly, happy bacteria that live in your gut that are there for a reason, and you're supposed to ask me what reason they're there
0: for? <laughs> what reason are they there for?
1: Um, go ahead and 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 talk about what you want to talk about, and then we'll talk about the microbiome because everybody wants to know about prebiotics and probiotics.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I I was I was gonna get to um, kind of like. The symptoms that you said that it's not your intestines that are hurting. It's the distension. It's the flatulence. Maybe it's the, you know, something needs to get out. So I was going to switch to, uh, which is perfect segue actually to talk about the microbiome and probiotics and does everyone need them every day? And do I have to take a probiotic with an antibiotic? Um, So between flatulence and the microbiome, I think we're definitely...
1: You choose, you want to talk about farting first or you want to talk about microbiome because the microbiome is actually, you know, flatulence or gas. You know, people people say, I don't fart. I don't ever fart. Yeah. Not true. You just don't know you're farting. And so it's kind of like normalizing, you know, how many bowel movements do you have a day?
0: Like how much, how much do people actually fart and they don't realizing it? Like what's the normal.
1: So people make anywhere, people make a thousand cc's, a liter of gas a day. Well, you don't make it, but your bacteria.
0: Yeah. A liter is a
1: lot to come out. And so it's that they say the average, I'm not sure where this data comes from, is 12 to 25 times a day and more at night. Okay. And. When you say, I, well, I, you know, I know when I let one rip and that doesn't happen very often, it's because the gas will sort of leak out. Can you hold a fart? People think, oh, I can hold a fart or, you know, if I have to fart and it and then if I if I wish hard enough, it'll just go away. It's not going away. It's <laughs> just like seeping out and you don't know about it. So farting is totally passing gas passing wind, flatulence, whatever you want to call it. When I first started in medicine, I mean, we didn't talk about farting at home ever. And when I first started in medicine, you know, they tell you to go into the rooms of the patients. And I was this young, green doctor person. And I would say, have you passed any gas?
0: Right. Yeah, that's what I do. Have yeah.
1: you broken wind?
0: It was a kind you, way to talk about it. To, yeah. like,
1: what are you talking about? And then you say, have you farted? And they go, oh, yeah, I farted.
0: Exactly. That's exactly how my conversation is going. Okay,
1: the other thing people worry about because they're sure this is related to their health, is my farts don't stink, or I have the stinkiest farts. And most most flatulence, most gas does not smell. Okay. It is the sulfur in your food that makes your farts stink. So um, it's food intolerances because- It's
0: like food that takes longer to digest. It's no, like food it's that- lactose. It's actually
1: the lactose that's broken down that causes fermentation, that causes the, that. And it's also food intolerances. So people who are like gluten insensitive, which is an autoimmune thing, the, they get mucosal breakdown and malabsorption and that can cause it too. But it's mostly sulfur. And if you want to if you want to figure out how not to fart or how not to, you know, if you're a flatulent person and there's something called Bino And beano you can get at the grocery store, and you pop two beano pills before you eat anything. You can take them a million times a day. And it's got an enzyme in it. And it actually has been proven to decrease the amount of gas you have. So this may be the yeah, only that thing that's here is that Bino works.
0: Okay. Well, you mentioned gluten, so like leaky gut is so commonly talked about. Um, we've talked about um, the microbiome. Um, we're gonna talk a lot about gluten because there's a whole there's a whole gluten free kind of subsect of people. And you're looking at one of them right now. Okay. So I so have
1: to talk about gluten because as a surgeon, I, if somebody is so if somebody turns out to have gluten insensitivity, which can be, you know, which there is proven on testing, then they don't. Need yeah. So
0: that's what I'm going to talk about. So yeah. gluten intolerance, AKA celiac disease is a medical diagnosis and there are blood tests that we do to check for antibodies. The most sensitive and specific antibodies for celiac disease are tissue transglutaminase IgA, endomysial IgA, and reticulin IgA, and those those the levels of those antibody titers um, correlate to the degree of mucosal damage. And so, so when we talk about gluten free and we talk about celiac disease, they're just different. Now, I, I just like called myself out and said, like, you're looking at one of them. I actually go for I aim to go for gluten-free food. Um, do I have celiac disease? No. Um, have I been tested? No. Do I feel better when I eat gluten-free food? Yes. So I'm going to do what works for me. Um, I don't have celiac disease, I think, but I, 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 mentally I'm okay with not knowing whether I have those antibodies. I'm more comfortable having a gluten-free diet. Um, majority of the time. And, and that's what I wanted to say about gluten. Any, you, any, no, yeah, as a surgeon, I don't, I just wanted no, to throw you that know, out.
1: No, You know, it's not, a, oh dear. I do Oops. not know. I just lost my picture, but I don't know if you can see me still.
0: Yeah, I can
1: see you Perfect. still. I'm not going to mess around with this. Um, <laughs> let's talk about, can we talk about the microbiome and why, you know, yeah. these people are worried about or wonder about probiotics and prebiotics. So there's a thousand different species of bacteria that live in your gut normally. It's the largest part of our immune system is in the gut. Um, Neuroactive substances are produced by the microbiome. And it requires the microbiome requires food, basically, and metabolizing that to make their byproducts like GABA, like tryptophan which are neurotransmitters or neuroactive um, uh, compounds. So people with GI disease have a higher rate of bipolar disorder and depression. People with schizophrenia have a higher markers of GI inflammation. And patients with IBS who underwent cognitive therapy also had a change in their gut microbiome. Which is, I think, fascinating about how, you know, one thing totally affects the other.
0: Totally fascinating. And I love that you mentioned that our gut system is the kind of largest organ that produces our neuroactive substances. Remember it, guys, like the gut is over 30 feet long. And so if we're talking about all these important neuromodulating transmitters being made in the gut, like GABA, um, tryptophan, ultimately serotonin. Um, there is a role for SSRIs in treating functional abdominal pain and um, in treating some gut disorders, and that's that's really exciting. Like you don't when have not
1: only not only treating the gut disorders, but so the health benefits of making sure that your microbiome is stable, if you will, are you can help yourself with that. So there's two things that that you'll read about, see in the grocery store, or whatever. And I know we only have a few minutes left. Um, probiotics and prebiotics. And you can take those as supplements. The probiotics are living strains of microorganisms that add to the good bacteria in your gut. You can find those naturally in fermented foods like yogurt with live culture, sauerkraut, tempeh, kimchi, kefir, buttermilk,
0: fermented cheese like Gouda and kombucha. Kombucha. Yeah, I'm so glad you added that one to the list. (laughs) So yummy. I love kombucha
1: um, especially the ginger flavor um that uh, prebi- is- but prebiotics are the specialized plant fibers that act as food for the pre-existing good bacteria so fruits and veggies whole grains like complex carbohydrates potatoes which are resistant starches green bananas which i'd never heard of before which is another resistant starch and jerusalem artichokes which is a superfood Um, That has inulin in it and the health benefits of maintaining the microbiome, getting the probiotics and the food to feed the organisms, the prebiotics. It's been shown to decrease the risk of antibiotic related diarrhea. And you can talk about that, um, Dr. Khan, symptoms of IBS and symptoms of depression. So they've done studies looking at using these to
0: treat all sorts of things. So it's so exciting, it's so fascinating, it's so wonderful. We have uh, we have to go. Um, I have to read a outro, and this was really fun. I, I'm so excited that we got a chance to talk about stress in the gut. It's so important, and please feel free to ask questions, leave comments, and um, and here we go. So thank you, Dr. Childs, for joining us today, and to everyone listening and sending your opportunity. Yeah, so fun. If you're looking for medical advice, please visit providence.org and make sure to follow Providence on social media at Providence on Twitter and under Providence Health System on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. As a reminder, the information provided during this event is for educational purposes and uh, only. If you have any questions regarding medical conditions, please contact your primary care physician. Um, And thank you so much. Saved by the bell. Yeah, heard your phone oh, ring. You yeah, that's right. All right. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye.